Hey, Shannon. Hey, Carmen. <laughs> you know I'm what I was thinking? That's all right. What were you thinking? I was thinking we should start a podcast. That's a great idea. Let's do it. Should we do it? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, here we go. This is it. We're doing it. So okay. do you want to? All right. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Um, I am a teacher, a coach, a mindfulness coach, and I live in Paris. Um, I ended up here because of my life motto, which is, why not? So, um, <laughs> about you. Uh, why not do a podcast? I love that that's your life motto. I love everything about that. Um, I am not a teacher, but I am a coach, uh, generally around well-being, the sense of uh, living with purpose. And I don't live in Paris either. I live here in Richmond, Virginia. So when we get to join each other through the magic of our fake room here, which is pretty fun. <laughs> uh, and I uh, love the fact that we often have these conversations where we kind of philosophize over stuff that does that make you happy? Does that not make you happy? And the best thing about you is that you're so clear on what does or doesn't work for you, even if it's, <laughs> yeah, even if it's supposed to work, I feel like, no, it's not. Yes, <laughs> I, I love that like, about you. Even more when it's supposed to work and doesn't, it. Uh, I often am really clear about that. Yeah, I think that's great. What do you think makes that possible for you? Oh, um, I want to say it's probably my gift. And I say that in parentheses of being very sensitive. Um, I just, I get a feeling about things. And when something, not always, but often when something isn't going to work for me, I just get a very strong feeling that I can't, I just can't do it. I can't make it fit. It's not even so much. I can't make it work. It's more I I just can't fit myself into this thing. I just have a some knowing that you're not going to fit yourself into this thing. And it's often things that, um, you know, it's not things that are uh, like, oh, I can't fit myself into the mold of being a Navy SEAL or something exciting. It's more like an ordinary thing. Like, I can't fit myself into the mold of having a nine to five job, for example. <laughs> That's one. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah so yeah I love that also you find yourself confronted with people who are like hey you can't do that like you have to get a nine-to-five job you can't like move to Paris and not have a nine-to-five job I know yes. but the truth is I can't actually have a nine-to-five job I've tried um and yet all of these other kinds of jobs and ways of working will just present themselves to me um, and they do work. And so it, that also very much contributes to my sense in the world of why not, because the why nots just seem easier for me than the you shoulds in the end. Yeah. Yeah. You just shoulded. Good job <laughs> shooting. Right. I think that's one of the things I also find really 
um, special about you is a lot of times I work with clients that are shooting all over themselves in terms of, well, I should get a nine to five or I should, and they don't have that inner knowing of this doesn't feel right for me, or um, I should follow this particular path of career. I should have um, children or I should manage whatever. And when we exist in this space of a context or a value set that is coming from an external source, but we don't, it's not, it doesn't, it violates something on the inside. Um, we all get a conflict about that, right? We all feel this kind of malaise as a result of it. But when you experience that malaise, you're like, well, it's obviously because it's not right. And, and like, you're unconsciously competent at observing it and then like, just saying, screw the box. I'm going to go yep. do my own thing. Right? Yeah. Um, Very accurate with the unconsciously competent part. I think um, it's because it's definitely not a, maybe more now it's conscious, but um, I would say it's much more of a, as I explained before, it's more of a, I am unable to do this, but this alternative way direction method works quite well. Um, yeah. I guess some yeah. of it is learned experience too. Yeah. All right. So what do you want people who are listening to this to take away from this podcast in general? Not necessarily this particular moment. <laughs> in general, I think the possibility that um, the possibility that we might be able to help you hone in on some of the tools and information that's out there because there's so much um, around happiness, what makes people happy, um, habits and behaviors and practices that people might explore or or have heard about. Um, kind of condense some of that information and give you sort of an entryway into which of these things might be interesting to me and why. Um, particularly as we've talked about the things that you and I have experienced through other people or used or done or explored ourselves and how, just how that experience might help someone else along the path. Um, I think for myself, I've done so much listening and exploring, not just ways to be happier per se, but, um, what's out there in terms of how to live a good life, uh, how to feel good in your skin, how to pursue the life that you want to have. Right. Um, and in doing that, just the enormous amount of information that you're confronted with, um, on my journey, I've always really appreciated coming across people who say, let me give you like an overview of some of the things that are out there. Some of the things that I've tried, some of the things that have worked for me or not. Um, something yeah. like, like, I hope that people will listen to this and, um, take, take sort of that kind of message away. Like here's some things that we've explored, tried, know of, done some research on. Um, let me give you a condensed version to sort of help you forward on your way. Yeah, yeah, I dig that. I think there's so many things in there to unpack. Not surprising. Um, <laughs> that's not surprising. <laughs> right, um, but I think there's an element of my hope anyway, is that 
you're talking not about like how to be happy, but just quite simply how to be right and be in an authentic way. And I think my hope is that people will see some of the way that you boldly, courageously stand in a clear sense of your own being that it inspires others to find their own sense of being too hmm. so while we're off you like that that's, I mean, <laughs> yes and that's so kind it's that's just so kind i mean you are well, very some, kind. oh thanks very well, kind we can have a whole conversation about whether or not i'm kind but we're not going to do that today <laughs> like uh jury's out on that but um but yeah, I mean, I think that that you have the ability to inspire people in uh, your boldness of that. I think one of the things you talk about, too, is like we are inundated with all these you'll be happy if and our, at least in this country, our society is inundated with that because it's a great way to sell you stuff is you're clearly not happy now. But if you buy this one product, then you'll be happy. And we live in a place where we keep, we have so much consumerism, so much, oh, I'm going to get this one thing. And am I happy now? No. What's that about? And then we also have, we're on this like beautiful turn where a lot of people I think are like, that's not the way, right? It's not the, do you have enough? It's something else. And we're getting more information and more, try this, try this, try this, which is, I think a great revelation, right? Except when we have to also confront the fact that not all of them will work for me. And so my hope is that I'm really big on the idea of a bespoke solution, mm -hmm. right? Like is take what works and leave the rest. Mm -hmm. So, and what you're, what you end up with is kind of a bespoke set of ways to to be that are completely tailored just for you yeah That's that hope, anyway that definitely resonates with me that idea that um not everything works for everyone um something that works for you now might not work in five years or something you tried five years ago that didn't could be the perfect solution now um yeah i like that like the yeah. take it and that also dovetails with the idea that in our sets of experiences and research and things we've explored um it gives people a lot of choices around, with a little bit of information so not necessarily personal unless they take it on and try it themselves but even just to hear another personal account of i meditated every day for a year and here's what happened um you know, it might be enough information for you to think, oh, yeah, I want that in my life or no way I'm not going to meditate every day for a year. Um, so, I yeah, I really like that. that idea. Just to tell you right now what I don't like about that idea, what that plan is of, like of meditating. For every meditating it. Yeah. As soon as you said it. There was a part of me, and it may actually be in this recording, but I'm not going to go back and look for it. But there was a part of me that was like, mm -mm. <laughs> mm -mm. no way um, and um and that moment of going mm -mm, it like also turned around into hey what's that reaction about what about this do i not like right that's and it's um pardon that's your coaching side wait whoa yeah 
oh, <laughs> let me just explore this a little. <laughs> like, and I think it's the, it felt like such a heavy commitment. A whole year? Like, what about that? And I think that feels aspirational, but also for me, like a burden, right? Mm-hmm. And in this particular moment, uh, for me, the idea of if I were going to, and I'm not committing to this, I'm apparently a commitment phobe today, but if I were going to commit to a meditation practice, I want to commit like at the tiniest level possible. So like, you know, I'm going to commit to meditating twice this week <laughs> and like see how that works or um, uh, like 15 minutes before I go to bed, like uh, I will try to come up with a smaller commitment, which the other thing you said that I thought was just smart, uh, as per usual, was what works for you before might not work for you here. I think that notice of the temporalness, we keep changing in the world. I'm not the same person that I was five years ago. Um, And thank God for that to some degree, (laughs) in some ways, Uh, not all. Um, But yeah, I'm not the same person. I'm not existing in the same environment and in the same context. Stuff's changing, right? So maybe I don't want to commit to uh, doing a uh, meditation practice for a whole year because that commitment seems yucky. But if I make that commitment to say this podcast and like, hey, let's try six months of this and see how that feels. Like that feels like a totally reasonable commitment for me. I'm not asking you to commit right now, by the way. It's awkward. Like no, I'm, 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 I'm totally in for six months of this. <laughs> well, I feel like I just sort of like asked you to marry me in a weird way. Shannon, would you do me the honor of being my podcast partner? <laughs> yes, I will. This my my manifesting is working already. Oh, does this work? Oh, so cute. There we go. <laughs> Did it? <laughs> Love it. So good. Oh, that's Heart great. But so we can delve into what's your resistance around meditation. But I think I think the idea that we had that we talked about um, is that this isn't necessarily about convincing people. Oh well, meditation is the thing, and if you have some resistance to it, you need to explore yeah. that until you overcome it and do the meditation. You could equally, I I think you could equally say, okay, well, meditation isn't the thing for you right now that's okay let that go and explore there's so many things out there there's so much um you know um people talk about creating habits that create joy uh simple things like looking for places in your day-to-day life that already feel joyful to you and just expanding them or even just expand your attention around them that is a thing that's shown to provide or increase your perceived happiness of your day and your life. I would argue those in some senses are a form of meditation, but it's not important. I mean, it's not important what you call it, it, but rather to find the things that when you come across them in this moment, they feel good. Like let's do six months of a podcast. Yes. Right. You don't, necessarily need to take things on in your life that when you encounter them you think oh why right yeah. I mean our life is already full of that 
Um, I don't, I, I just think there's so I think there are so many paths to finding more happiness or, um, comfort daily, comfort daily satisfaction in your life. Take the path of least resistance, the things that feel yeah. exciting or interesting, explore that. And the ones that feel onerous or tiring, leave that for another time. Or, and maybe you come to it, you know, in an alternate, alternate path where you realize, oh, my practice of stopping five times a day and, and noticing for five minutes this thing that I do, that's really kind of a form of meditation, isn't it? Well, sure. Yeah. We, you know, you might explore that at a future point and think, oh, maybe I, I do. In fact, I am meditating. Maybe I want more of that in my life. And again, yeah. maybe not. It's a really subversive way to get people to meditate, Shannon. I'm all about Versus so sneaky. Getting to people to do things, in fact. So that's <laughs> <laughs> super sneaky. Good work. Yes. Yeah, I totally think that sometimes, um, again, it's like the, for me, it's the, it's too big, right? You, as I know you, and I know, I know things about you. I know like how much you value ease. And I also know that you are, you know, at least, an expert, if not like a super expert in meditation and mild and mindfulness. Whereas I am like a wannabe beginner. I'm not even a beginner for whatever reason, but I'm like a wannabe beginner. I want to be the kind of person who's good at meditating, but I'm like, I don't want to actually do any effort for it. So like for me, it's a, I just want to taste things. And sometimes it's a, realization that the part of meditation or the part of the practice that I like the, the most is lying down. I'm a, um, I'm a great napper. I, I will say that I am an exceptional napper or um, just the really focusing on breathing and how the breathing feels in my body. And that is so nurturing for me for other like parts of my fitness um, and like overall wellness stuff is like remembering to teach myself to breathe properly um, and whatever. But technically, that's a mindfulness practice, right? Like, I mean, breath work in the yoga tradition, breath work is actually an even more advanced practice than meditation. Um, I am advanced then. Yes. Um, so, but there are lots of very approachable breathwork practices like four square breathing I have heard of that I I don't do it but I've heard of it four square breathing is magical it really is and it works the science behind it is that it um calls calms the amygdala so when you regulate your breathing it sends when your breathing is regulated I should say it it is sending or reinforcing the message to that part of the brain that you're safe because when you're not safe your breathing is not regulated it's you know faster yeah. inhaling faster than exhaling or vice versa it's not an right. even breath. when you consciously control the the way that you're breathing and you control the inhale and exhale and specifically when you do it in a way that slows it down but four square also works because you're not only slowing your breath down you are very carefully controlling you are inhaling slowly for four breaths you are holding your breath 
for four counts. You are exhaling for four counts and you are holding your breath for four counts. And within two cycles of that, that part of your brain receives the message, oh, you're calm and you're safe. And it will calm you down. I mean, it's like magic. You can use it with children to teach them how, if they're getting upset or frustrated in a situation, because it's also a very a simple concept, you know, and it doesn't need um, perfection. You don't, you know, if you're counting slower or yeah. faster, it's okay. You can teach this them this idea of the square and it's very visual. Um, so just inhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. And kids can understand that. People in general, um, you can use it in a moment when you're feeling anxious, worried, upset, stuck in traffic. Um, and you or can anything not calm. Like, yes, really. You, you can immediately feel yourself calm down. And that is, I like to think of it as a, a gateway drug to <laughs> breath work and meditation, right? Because it has such an immediate response that it, it becomes very, it's like, oh, I can control this thing, you know, this thing where I, every time I'm in traffic, I'm so annoyed and I feel my blood pressure rising. I can control that. Yeah. This four square breathing technique. This is amazing. Yeah. It's um, so smart though. Like I think about the trauma response that at least for me, when I get into a trauma response and I'm in my triggered state, what I'm looking for or the thing that the panic that I'm having is that I don't have control. I don't have control over whatever's going to happen. And, and it makes me feel unsafe. Right. Mm. And so the idea or the notion that one thing that you still have control over, no matter what bullshittery is going on around you, you have control over your breathing. Let's focus on control over, like bring it to the smallest thing possible that you have control over. And from there, be what you now have, what you now have possible control over. Like that's, that's a brilliant nugget right there. In fact, my son, the, my littlest kid, he's gone through a thing. He's always going through a thing, by the way. But his current thing is not one of my favorite things. This was something else I learned from you. Um, probably not one of the better things I've learned from you, but that's like, it's good for me, but not good for my kids. Um, but he's going through a thing where he's not sleeping at night. So he is like texting me um, every 15 minutes. I don't have a problem sleeping. My problem sleeping is him. And that cool. I'm like, dude, this is the part that I learned from you. I'm not required to be a nice mom between the hours of 9 p.m. and 9 a.m. Like we are, we're in the nice mom hours are closed. <laughs> After 9.30, nice mommy is gone. Yeah. Like, if you get nice mommy, it's a quinky day. But it's not guaranteed. It's just kind of. And I think one of the things I did one day was I had him sit in his bed. I didn't want to get out of my bed. So I called him on FaceTime (laughs) and just guided him through, like, a body scan. Mm -hmm. But the easiest thing I could teach him today would be for square breathing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I could just say, hey, try four square breathing. You know what it is. Um, it's so easy to do, right? That a, a kid can do it. 
Like that's a, I'll take that away today. Look at that. You already gave me a nugget. That's great. I dig it. All right. I got a question for you. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to answer it first and then I'm going to ask you. So uh, we're talking about practices. We're talking about mindfulness. We're talking about the idea of being more satisfied or more happy or whatever. And I think in that conversation, I realized that one of the things that is true for me is that I don't think that I feel as stable, as regulated, um, like I'm more easily triggered now than I was maybe five years ago. And so a lot of what I'm wanting to explore um, over the next couple of whenevers is what are the things that that give me a greater sense of control over my own like regulated self, right? So for me, the general question is, do I feel happier now than I do than I did maybe five years ago? And I, my, as we were talking, I'm go I was thinking, yeah, uh, you know what? No. And one of the reasons is because I don't feel as regulated in my emotions. And so that's a thing that I'm, that I'm going to want to explore and track for a little bit. How about you? If you compare Shannon today and Shannon five years ago, would you say you're happier now? Uh oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> so much happier. Um Validly happier. <laughs> oh. uh, but what's interesting, the way that you framed it, I had to think about it. Um, I'm not sure that my emotions are more regulated than they were five years ago. Mm. But I find that as you were talking about it, it made me think immediately oh, but I bet I know why that is. And so I don't want to answer for you, but for me, I can say that I was coming out of sort of two things five years ago, really eight years ago, it started. Um, but still, I would say five years ago, I was definitely kind of coming out of two situations that were very challenging. And I think what I'm learning in the last, especially in the last two years, is that the safer I feel, the more free I feel to express a lot of emotion that I think was buried for a long time. Mm -hmm. And what I find is that many of those emotions are not well regulated because I don't have a lot of practice expressing them. And yeah, there's just so much of it that it's kind of like a, um, not a faucet, more like a, a geyser. <laughs> Is it that was the image that came to mind. It was full on. <laughs> a geyser of emotion. And I've been thinking about it, talking about it, kind of trying to regulate myself. Certainly for the last year and a half, um, feeling very concerned about it. So it's interesting that you're bringing this up. I hadn't thought about the two quite together in this way. And very recently, I was really, really started to think, oh, the, this is connected. Like this feeling of safety and this feeling of an emotional geyser, they're actually connected. And it's actually partially a good thing because 
with safety comes the ability to just freely express yourself. And so if you haven't been doing that for a very long time, the beginning stages of that are going to be kind of messy. And that's probably normal. Yeah, we both have teenage girls, right? So we have some familiarity from another perspective of the teenage brain coming to recognize this flood, this onslaught of emotions that are new for them. But I'm going to say this as gently as I can, but neither of us are teenagers anymore. (laughs) So I, here's, here's an example of shooting. I sometimes experience this. I should be better at my emotions by now. Mm. I shouldn't have this, but you're bringing in this interest, like great perspective of, well, why should I be? I haven't, I have been practicing tamping it down, keeping it closed for so long that this particular relationship with emotions is brand new. It's almost like a re-adolescence. Oh, it's a hundred percent a re-adolescence. And I could talk about that. That can be our next podcast. I could talk about that for a long time because I (laughs) definitely, there've been some other hormonal shifts related to related. Mm -hmm but not Mm -hmm. only to my age that definitely um, played a a big role in not highlighting those emotions, just really fueling those emotions in a way that was, and five years ago, actually six, about five years ago, actually um, is when that started. And it really fueled, I mean, I, because my oldest child is about to be 22 and I have three daughters and um, five years ago, all of them were basically teenagers. The youngest was 11, but going on like 18. Um, yeah. And the other two will be like 15 and 17. And people would ask me, I remember regularly like, Oh, how is that living with the, you know, the, the, water the flood of emotion and the you know one moment laughing the next moment weeping and I just kept saying yeah I know and my poor kids I mean it's so hard for them (laughs) because it was me like I was the one um but but as you said like I was an expert at tamping down my emotions and tightly controlling them I was really good at that I had been practicing that for a very long time but you're unconsciously competent at it but now you're consciously incompetent at this new thing. Yes. Yes. And very Mm -hmm. consciously and, but realizing as time goes on. So, you know, five years ago, the, the geyser looked a lot more like curling up in the fetal position on my dining room floor, crying, sobbing. (laughs) Yeah. It was pointed in and not out. And, And I also used to tell this story that when that, behavior started my girls who are so sweet would kind of come in they'd be very concerned I would sometimes hear them talking to each other you know what what should we do should we one of them would always approach me you know mom can I how can I help are are you okay and I said I knew that it was evolving sort of in relationship with them at the point when they would just kind of walk over me someone would say well I guess one of us should start dinner I mean you know the kind of they realized this will pass she's just having some feelings you know have your feelings let us know if you need something we're going to be in the kitchen starting the dinner um and I remember feeling like this is a big 
step forward for for them and maybe for me too. I wasn't entirely sure, but I see a huge progression for me from then yeah. until now. Though I would still argue I'm not super competent with my emotions still. Um, progress over perfection though, right? Yeah, like, but I you're noticing progression. I absolutely see the progress. And um, another thing, way that I learned how to see it through many mentors is it's not so much that you um, don't want to have any more moments where you're having just a total breakdown or a total, your emotions are just everywhere. It's more that you want to start noticing how much space between those episodes and is the space between those episodes getting mm. bigger? And how do you feel in those spaces? Um, yeah. And in those spaces, I feel better um, for longer periods of time. And the episodes where I'm kind of just, you know, losing it are shorter and shorter. Um, mm. So that also, I think. Developing a greater competency and like seeing it, or as your daughters would say, let you have, letting you have your feelings. Letting you have and your moving big through feelings. it. <laughs> letting you have your big feelings and moving through it. Well, so I think, you know, what we're getting to this, we could also like name the outcome that we want for people here as progress, not perfection. Right. Yes. And I think that would be delightful. And I think one of the things that comes up is like creating awareness, mindfulness of our progress. Um, are there tools that you like to use to kind of assess where you are, where others are in their progression? Well, the tool that I used this semester with students um, is the PERMA mm -hmm. test. We talked about that. We talked about um, PERMA profiler, yeah. Yes. And there are two other good tests. One is um, Gretchen Rubin's um, happiness. And the other, I think, comes from University of Pennsylvania, is it? UPenn, yeah. I think it was authentic happiness. Authentic happiness, that is it. Um, and those are good, just just a baseline. They cover, you know, they're not um, super expansive, but they cover a somewhat range of things, just so you get a sense. Um, and I don't think it's so important. I did this with a class this semester, and I'm very happy to report they all, and not all, two of them did not have higher scores at the end of the semester. But both that did not um, had their scores were barely lower and they both felt like it could be related to being in an exam period now when doing the follow up test. Um, Context, but, yeah. But everyone mm. else had higher scores. And what I really noticed was how happy they were about that. So to me, I think it's more about seeing that there's something you can use to sort of sort of get a general measurement of where you are. And then three to four months later, you can look again and feel you're making progress, right? Yeah. So any change, any slight shift upward is a shift in the direction of feeling better. Yeah, yeah. And I would argue any shift, any change, any yeah. different awareness that comes out of it. Um, I did the, I haven't done the PERMA profiler in a while, but I'll probably do that in a little bit uh, following our conversation as well, uh, just to kind of see where things are. But I think there's a sense of doing this routine, like routinely, 
Also, let's be honest. I love a BuzzFeed quiz. I'm going to do a BuzzFeed quiz every other day just because like it showed up. <laughs> okay. Um, but like periodically taking a, just having that awareness. I love a quiz, right? Uh, but I also think, you know, to our point of making things simpler sometimes, um, sometimes I like things that are just super easy that you can do in the moment. And um, particularly for emotion stuff, I started using an app a while ago where it's just like, it's like the uh, toilet um you're already giving me a face. Like, where are you going with this, Carmen? Hold on. I don't <laughs> like, of that, that yeah, it's the the toilet hygiene like thing um, at like Atlanta Airport, where it's like a series of emojis. How was your toiletting experience? And it's oh, like, yeah. Or the, the and um, so the app Dalio is like that, and it just pops up at like eight o'clock, and you get to pick an emoji that that fits you. And if you feel like doing a little bit more of, yeah, well, that's because. You know, noticing I also um, spent time with my partner today or I also um, exercised today. And you can start to see trends over time, which is interesting. But at minimum, I can just hit the smiley face or the saddy face or whatever it is that's my on the agony scale. Um, and I like the simplicity of that. And the second thing that I found today just before we were uh, connecting was I happened to look over and sometimes the strangest things become a surprise, just like you were noticing the uh, emotional component of stuff. My daughter did this thing a couple of years ago where she wrote me all these little letters about like open when you are upset. And they're like these little, I know, I know. They're like these super motivational. um, She has the worst spelling known to man. Um, little letters and uh, I wasn't upset today. I actually read open when you need motivation uh, and read my little letter, uh, which is cute. But while I was looking for it, I was, she did a set of these for me for Christmas one year. Um, and you should have seen it. This is so spot on. She gives me this box and I'm like, uh-huh. and, I op- and she's looking at me so close because she's waiting to see me start to cry. <laughs> like, like, to open this box and there's a series of letters that are like open when you don't feel beautiful and I'm like oh <laughs> oh my god and then it took me two years to get through all of the letters like because I was trying to dish them out slowly over time and then two years later I had told her that I finished the letters and then that uh, Christmas she gave me the same box which was weird. Like she went into my room, stole the box, took the old letters out and wrote new letters and put new letters in there and gave that to me for, I know, sneaky, gave that to me for Christmas. And that was maybe two years ago or so. But when I was looking at this, I noticed that I still have this unopened letter that says open when we fought. And I have to tell you that that would have had to have been like the first or second letter that I opened and the first the first go round. But this means that we haven't had a major knockdown drag out. Um, I don't even know why I do this fight in a number of years. And that is just so much progress on um, like my regulating as it relates to what's going on for me and my kids. Cause a lot of the times that we fought was just because I was dysregulated. Um, 
where she was, um, but also like the creating an environment where we can have actual conversations and that aren't that aren't fraught with uh, anger. So yeah, like today, that was I took a picture of my card that said "Open when we fought," and I sent it to Isabel with a note that was just like, "I haven't even opened this yet," um, and that makes me feel really good for some reason. That's yeah, of course, that's fantastic. So I'm not going to open it now, but I will tell you that I, I had one previously and I was a little afraid when I did open it, that it was just going to say, you're wrong. I was right. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> to her credit, that is not what it said. But if if it did, I don't think I would have been in the mood to read that when I opened that letter. But that's my story. I'm sticking to it. I All right, cool. That. So we have a couple of your perma profiler. Right. We had a couple of uh, the Gretchen Rubin quizzes. We had authentic happiness quiz. Um, I like the Dalio app. And I think just kind of checking in with ourselves. I call that a temperature check, right? A daily temperature check of how am I doing? I use when people ask me, how am I doing? They probably hate asking me this. Uh, but I go, how am I doing? And answer. And oftentimes I'm like, I'm like a seven seven out of ten um sometimes i'm like i'm like a two and let's not talk about it <laughs> i love that we don't have time for the shit like let's move on. I, I definitely tend to be more honest when people ask me that but i'm gonna start with the numbers i'm not yeah <laughs> i don't um, think people are today but i don't people are not really looking for you to actually answer that's what i've learned yeah actually some people do like it i find and those are the people that i'm like yeah, you're my tribe. We should we should hang out. Because you would actually want to know. Well, yeah. I would want to know. How are you doing today? I am great today. Mm -hmm. I want to say I'm like a nine. Solid. Solid doing. I tell you, I was like a four before we started talking. But I'm feeling pretty eight. Eight okay. and happy. Wow. So, this has been good. Did they get? We will get to talk about that in the next episode. Why that is? <laughs> I don't know. All right, Shannon, what are you taking away from our conversation today? Awareness. I think that's like you really highlighted that, and I love that. I think. I think if we had to summarize today in one word, and and kind of as a jumping off point, awareness is a great starting point. I like the, I'm stealing your summarizing in one word. And the word of my day, of the day today, uh, that I started the day with is the one that I'm going to close today with, which is wonderment. Hmm. And I am enjoying the spirit, the feeling of wonderment. I think that's what, I think that's what uh, my eight and a half is all about. Okay. Oh. All right. Well, talk to you soon. Yes. Yeah. All right. Until we meet again.